Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stemp here. Wow, we've got a big one. Like this was one of those episodes where I'm on it and I'm interviewing a guest and I'm going, how did I get here? So to get straight to it, we interviewed the performance coach for the GOAT, like the GOAT of all GOATs, Michael Jordan. Oh, he's not the GOAT? How about Kobe Bryant? Dwayne Wade. We interviewed the performance coach of Jordan, Bryant, Wade, and more. This week on the show, Tim Grover, author of the international bestseller Relentless, and his newest book, what we're talking about today, is called Winning, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness. Now, one thing I have to say up front is this idea of winning at all costs in business and life and sports I don't know. It always felt a little too competitive to me, even though I've always played sports and I've played it at pretty high levels and things like that. But this episode changed my opinion on it. As you're going to hear Tim say, one of Kobe's favorite quotes was, winning is everything. And I always thought, well, is it? But then I realized, what game am I playing? And that's what we focus on. What game are you playing? For me, it's being a father, being a husband, being a professional. It's all of the things that I do. And do I want to win in the sense that do I want to accomplish what I believe is winning? 
my definition of the end goal. And of course I do. Just because I want to win at this life doesn't mean others have to lose. It's, it's just, it was a little bit of a paradigm shift. And that's just one small thing. So I told you a little bit about our guest, Tim. More formally, he is the CEO of Attack Athletics, founded in 1989, world-renowned for his legendary work with elite champions and Hall of Famers, including MJ, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of other NFL, MLB, NBA, and Olympic athletes. He is the preeminent authority on the science and art of physical and mental dominance and achieving excellence. As I mentioned, the book we are talking about today is called Winning, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness. Look, we can only bring cool guests like this on the show because of what we've built thus far and to keep building and growing and maybe go back to weekly and do more cool stuff. And we have video now. We need your support. So there's two things you can do. Number one, actually, is make sure you're subscribed and telling others about the show. So if you're just listening, hit that subscribe button. It's changed in iTunes. Make sure you're still subscribed there. I think it's follow now, Spotify, wherever you are. And then, of course, you could have asked Tim your own question if you support us on Patreon. So patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast, a couple bucks. You could ask Tim a question. All right, let's get to it. So excited to bring you Tim Grover as we talk about winning. What does MJ have to say? What's Kobe have to say? Enjoy. So I've got your book here, and I'll tell you, even if it didn't have the backing of some of the superstars that it does, it's a book worthy in its own right, just given your knowledge, your experience. And I can't wait to dig into this idea of winning from the lens of the average person. That's really what I'm excited about. But it all starts with, let's be honest, MJ and Kobe. I mean, in your life, did you imagine knowing the ins and out of those people that will go down in history as the best? You know what? I always had high, I always said, you know, set unrealistic expectations and expect to achieve them. But even those were unrealistic for me, but for anybody. But, you know, to be able to be, be involved in their lives and their development and their careers, it was something that if you're going to shoot for something, you know, shoot for the top. Shoot. That's why I say shoot, shoot for the, shoot for the top. And I shot for the top and, you can see the results. You got there. Actually, yeah. that's a good place to go. There's a lot of places I want to go, especially around Michael and Kobe and all that. But the average person is never going to interact with them. Do you think that the average person should still strive to win no matter what? Like that should be a um, a goal in life is to find the thing or things that you at least want to consider yourself a winner at. Yes, and that's important what you just said, Chris, is find the things that you want to win at. All right. And, and the one thing I would take out is like, I, I know we when we talk about Michael and Kobe, we talk about exceptional individuals, but don't ever think of anybody as an as an average as an average individual. We talk about that maybe non maybe in a non-athletic endeavor. But you want to you want you want to win. You want to have to know that you're talented at something. You want to know you're competitive at, at something. You want to know you have you're you're resilient. And those where you find your wins because winning it's everywhere. It's every minute, and we have an opportunity to win. What's happened is through this last you know everything that's been going on in the world for this last year and a half, 
is we've forgotten what a win looks like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we forgot what we forgot what it looks like. We forgot what it feels like. So one of the reasons of writing this book is to remind people that you your little wins every single day gets you closer to those big wins. And we've gotten so complacent because everything that's gone on now and so fearful that we're forgetting to be actually go out and go chase those go chase those wins. And when I mean out, I'm not saying physically go outside. It's go outside what's go, what's blocking you in here to allow you to get that win. I think that's such a great point. I actually got goosebumps for this reason. It happened to me a couple of months ago. It was when I got vaccinated and I was like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. And I was a different person. I didn't realize what a year of, I hate to say it, but survival mentality, right? I've got two little kids. Uh, so yes, physical survival, but just let's make it out. What that had done to my extroversion, which I am, right? So how do you think that impacts our striving to win when we're in this state of fear for so long? Well, that's the thing. We're all everyone was in a state of fear. I don't care who you were. I, you could be the you could be the most successful company uh, out there that you know just had unbelievable numbers during the during the pandemic and all this other stuff and, and things. But what you can't have is we all had fear, but just like what you said. You didn't have doubt. You didn't have doubt of what the outcome was going to be. You're like, okay, once this is going to come to an this is going to come to an end. Yes, we are fearful, but that fear actually motivated you. It, it didn't paralyze you. It allowed. It, it actually it woken your senses up. I always say, you look at an individual when you're sitting next to somebody and you scare them or they scare you. All everything becomes alert. Like everything is, everything's a little, you're like Lily, you're ready to move, you're ready to do everything. And then you have other people that just run, run, it, run into the corner. So that's not, fear is not pushing you in the corner. It's that doubt that's pushing you in the corner. It's that you're doubting, hey, what am I going to do once this thing ends? Am I, am I really going to be prepared? Uh, I, I'm not in the same mind frame anymore. I'm not in the physical health. Uh, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the, uh, you know, when the kids have to go back to school? Uh, you know, they haven't been able to socialize with the, their friends. So you start creating all this doubt by overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. And I always say, remember, fear is instinctive. It's instinctive. We were all instinctively fear of when this thing happened. But doubt is created by us. We create that doubt. We create that. Uh, we, we create that overthinking. We create like that panic in us. You know, I say fear is pressure, all right? And pressure is a privilege. You know, you see individuals, if you have pressure, that means somebody believes in you. That means you should believe in yourself. Doubt creates panic. Mm. And there's a huge difference between pressure and panic. You see this, you know, uh, you look at, you know, you said you're a, you like to play uh, golf is your yeah. golf is one of your golf is one of your sports and baseball baseball is the other is the other one. Uh, you can tell when an individual when they're trying to make that putt or they're trying to make that drive they feel that they feel that pressure and they strive at it. But when you know when they have that little doubt in them, their swing goes to the left, their swing goes to the right. Or you know, a baseball player they overanalyze the pitch that's going to be throw, that's going to be thrown at them. And that's what a lot of us is, is happening now or happened is that doubt created so much panic. And when we have doubt in our stuff, we don't play to win. We play to lose. 
they play not to lose. You're one of the first people I've actually heard differentiate fear and doubt. And I love it because I've actually gotten sick of this uh, common refrain that fear holds us back from everything. Because I always felt like, for me, and, and there's a lot of endeavors I'm trying to conquer, and I've always felt like, I don't feel scared. I, I know what fear feels like. I don't feel a fear, but man, do I doubt myself. And I'm glad you highlighted those because it's always confused me. I go, I'm not making progress, but I'm not scared of the progress. What am I scared of? And it's more, I'm doubting my ability to do it. And if I put the time and what I want to get into sacrifice into it, will I succeed? Yeah, exactly. That's why I said, listen, we all have both of them. We all have it. You know, we're built that way. Everyone experiences fear. We're built that way. But the greats don't have doubt. They don't have doubt. Listen, you, you look at Michael Jordan and, and Kobe. All right. Did they have fear when they stepped out on the basketball court and take that last second shot? Of course they did. But they didn't have any doubt of the end result. Wow. They didn't have doubt of the end result. And you can pull... There's plenty of videos out there where you talk about the greatest competitors in sports, business, and everything, and they'll talk about how fear was actually one of their biggest fuels, and and they needed it because here's the thing: if you don't, if you haven't set your goals of winning, and whatever it may be, it could be financially, it could be uh, from a family structure standpoint, it could be from business, it could be whatever it is. If your goals aren't uh, high enough. You're not going to have fear. Mm -hmm. Fear means you're setting something out there that you actually have to work, go after, stay focused in to obtain it. Do you think that the really the key, the key to winning, the key to the best is figuring out the way to uh, succeed in the face of fear and remove doubt? Like, could it be almost that simple? It can be that simple, but the one thing is there's no key. It's a combination. Sure. And that's that's the problem. So, you know, you have... People, will f- they'll fidget around. Everybody will figure out the first number and they'll get, oh, it's, uh, it's so excited. All right, but that actually makes you, then you get, a, that, that kind of puts your fear at calm a little bit, but then you start to doubt, can I get that second, can I get that second number? Then when you don't have a hard time getting that second number, then you're like, oh, I'm just going to totally, I'm not even going to try for the third number. I'm just going to, I'm just going to forget. We do overcomplicate things. We do make things so much more complicated than we have to, because when we overcomplicate things, it gives us an excuse. Mm. It gives us an excuse, gives us a built-in excuse not to win. That's a good point. So I want to kind of pull, pull back a little bit and talk about, let's start with, you know, how did you get into working with the best that ever were, especially in basketball, like Michael and Kobe? How did that even happen? I, you know, cause I imagine it's somebody that like, let's say MJ, he knows. And this guy is literally the one in the world, you know, that everybody looks up to. How do you get in that position? Well, so it, it's a funniest story. Uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> so I always wanted to work with professional athletes. So I finished my I finished my master's degree in exercise science. I took a job in a local health club, but I always knew what I wanted wanted to do. And there was a, a small article in the paper saying how Michael Jordan was tired of taking the physical abuse from the Detroit Pistons. Now remember, I had never worked with a professional athlete. Mm. I had never, you know, I've worked with rec- recreational athlete, uh, recreational athletes, but never with a professional athlete. So I said, you know what? I'm going to send letters to every single Chicago Bulls player, but I'm not going to send one to Michael Jordan because what's going to, he's already so talented. He's not going to hire me, you know, but I can, if I show my results to everybody else, 
uh, to the uh, one of the other players, maybe Michael will take notice, and that's my way. That's my way in the door. So back then, you know, there's no emails. All right, you know, you can't you can't so you can't social media somebody. So you had to physically write a letter, go to the post office and get a stamp and mail it out. So I sent 14 letters out to the Chicago Bulls uh, players. And what happens is they get thrown in a pile and they get thrown in as fan mail. So, you know, if you write one to, you know, whoever the player is, Scottie Pippen, Brad Sellers, whoever it is, they, they put it in their mail and they send it. Now the, it's up to the player whether they want to open it or not. Obviously, one of those letters got opened and it was sitting in somebody else's locker and Michael actually reached in somebody else's locker and pulled the letter out and told the team physician and the team athletic trainer at that time Say, hey, find out what this find out what this is about, because uh, he wasn't happy with this, what was going on with the program the organization had. Wow. So for three for so for three months, I went back and forth with the team physician and the uh, and the team athletic trainer. They asked me a bunch of questions, had me take a bunch of exams, you know, a bunch of practical stuff to make sure I knew what I was doing. And they said, hey, they gave me an address. They said, we want you to meet. Uh, Meet the client. I still didn't have any idea who they were who they were talking to. I'm oh, thinking wow. it's somebody. I'm thinking it's somebody you know, a top first round pick that isn't performing uh, up to their level. So they give me the address. They said, "Here's the address. Meet meet the client at 1:30." All right. So I drive out there, and this was before the big gated house and all that other stuff. So I ring the doorbell once, no answer. Ring it twice, no answer. Ring it third time. Michael Jordan opens up the door. Come on, come all on. Right. I was wearing Converse. <laughs> oh no way! That's not real. Are you real? I was wearing I was wearing Converse. Uh, I I didn't know who I was meeting. Sure. I was like, okay. So I, he opens the door. I'm not a starstruck person. So the first thing that came into my mind, I was like, if I walk in the house with these shoes, it's going to be a problem. So I took off the sh- I took off my shoes before I entered the house. Now remember, I'm working at a local. I'm working at a local health club, not making a whole lot of money. Wow. My I take off my shoes. My socks have two big holes in them. All right. So I like. What's my first reaction? So I turn the socks over. <laughs> so the dirty parts on the top and the holy parts on the like for some reason that's just going to make it so much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So I, I I leave the shoes outside. I walk I walk into the house. We go down to the basement. He goes, you know, explain your philosophy for him. So I went through all what I had, what I could offer, what I can do. I went through all these different things. And he just said, this doesn't sound right. And I said, well, it doesn't get any writer. I, you know, I said, give me, I, I said, he goes, I'll give you 30 days. And 30 days turned into 15 years. And then when, when I walked out of the house, I was putting on my shoes. He looked at me and said, Never again. I was just outside. I knew exactly. I knew exactly what he, what he was talking about. But I was able to explain to him what I felt he needed, not what everybody, not what everybody, everybody else was following a blueprint. Everybody was following, you know, what to think, what to think, what to think. And, and in my mind, I was like, well, my, well, if you watch Michael play, I was like, he wasn't a what to think guy. He was more of a how to think. He, you know, he kind of knew what his body was so so intuitive to what he did so a lot of the stuff that i presented to him i was like hey he goes this is yeah this he goes i haven't heard this stuff before this is unusual i said yeah he goes you got any data to back this up i'm like nope (laughs) i i I said i don't so where did you come up with it where did you come up with the philosophy that convinced mj to take a shot on somebody well you know what it was just what i explained to him he hadn't heard he hadn't heard before Mm. 
And I explained it to him in a way that like really, really made sense to him. I was just like, okay. Because he wanted, he goes, I need to get bigger. I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. Mm. And I was just like, all right. And, you know, and everybody thought about bulking him up, bulking him up. And it was like, and I was like, well, that's not the way we need to do this. I was like, let's address the common injuries that you're having. Let's address the hamstrings. Let's address the ankles. Let's address the groin pulls. I said, if we address those things, I said, it's automatically going to make you a better athlete. It's already going to make you stronger. It's already going to make you faster. It's already going to make you a basketball player. I said, once we address those things, then we can start adding weight. I said, if we start adding weight to, to an area that's already not already weak, that has a weak link into it, we're just going to increase the chance of it getting injured again. And he goes, you know what? That makes, that makes sense. And he goes, and you know, he was very, I was like, Michael, I said, I'm going with this. I was like, I have no data behind this, but I said, I know this is right. Wow. I said, I, I know, I know this is right. Well, and he tried, he trusted me. Like I said, he gave me 30 days. You know, so I can infer a lot of lessons from that, but I'd rather know what you infer from that, that you wish people knew. What do you take away from that experience? The, basically landing Michael Jordan as a client that you think others could uh, infuse into their life to win more. You know, you know, when we talked about earlier about the fear and the doubt stuff, here's what everybody's looking for. Everyone's looking for the easiest path. You know, I get this question all the time. You know, what's the one thing? There is no one thing. All right. There are no steps. There's multiple steps. How many books do people put out? You know, five steps to greatness, 10 <laughs> steps to success. All those steps are constantly infinite. And I was literally climbing those steps every single day. I mean, when I finished my degree to the time I got Michael, it was, it was, I think it was about four years in between, in between those things. But every step got me a little closer to that winning, the winning thing, working with the non-athletes, working with the recreational athletes, working with whoever wanted to become, who wanted to be in better physical and better mental shape. So those things, just constantly working on working on your craft, knowing you just you're not going to be able to just climb the steps all the way to the top. One time you climb those steps, they're infinite. You may have to crawl on those steps. Those steps may disappear on you. There is no easy way to success. There are no there are no short shortcuts. But put yourself in the best possible position. Do the work. Do all the work that's necessary because you're going to get an opportunity. You, know, you will get an opportunity, and are you ready for that opportunity? Did all you, when all your preparation, when it met that opportunity, were you prepared correctly? Remember, I was the one individual that didn't. I didn't since I didn't send a letter to Michael. Doesn't mean I didn't study his patterns. I didn't study what he what he what he needed. What was going on? All right, it was just like all right. Listen, do the whole job. Take care of all 15. Take care of all 15 players, and obviously it was easier to get information on Michael because, you know, going back to his North Carolina days, there's so there was so much available on TV and the different games and so forth. Obviously, we didn't have all the luxuries that we have now, but still paying attention and taking down the different notes, knowing, hey, this is the ultimate win. Yeah, this is the ultimate win. But in order to get to that ultimate win. I, I got to do the most unultimate things <laughs> ever to get to that one. And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. 
We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals. All available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. Audible is the perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com smart. That's audible.com smart. And now back to the episode. Well, and what I like about it, I use this story similar to us starting this podcast, which was, you know, you didn't overthink it. You didn't like question yourself. Oh, who am I to have Michael? Whatever. It was just like, look, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to take a shot. You didn't stake your entire life on it either. I think too often we attach ourselves to an outcome or to an anticipated outcome so much so that it builds up. If that goes wrong, who am I? Right. So if you said, I'm going to be Michael Jordan's trainer, let's just say that. The weight of that, which is really almost not even in your hands to some extent, right, is too right. much. And you might have just said, forget it. And you settle for I, less. I said, I'm going to train professional athletes. Yeah. That was that, 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 that was my, that was my winning to train professional. I did not say I'm going to go train this player that, you know, obviously once I got into business, there was individuals I, I, I wanted to work with, but it was just like, here it is. This is what I'm going to do. Cause what happens is, and I talk about this in the book is that, you know, winning wages a war on the battlefield of your mind. You know, you have all these doubts and these warnings that are constantly going off in your head. You have the fear, you have the anxiety, you have all this stuff. And these bombs are going off all the time where you won't even take that out, take that first step. You won't take that first chance. And then, you know, when you talk about the podcast thing is how many people told you terrible idea. Uh, You can't, you can't win at this. It's going to cost, it's going to cost you too much. And then there's other bombs that people throw at you all the time that are disguised and people even don't know they're bombs. It's just like, how about this one? All right. You should take a day off. You work too hard. Mm. You have no chance at this. Or the other ones, they tell you, you got this. Well, what do you actually have? What does what you need to define this a little bit more, a little bit more. 
Well, so we have this war that's all constantly going on in our minds, and then we let other people actually control what's going on there. We get them, we allow them to have all the explosions in there, but they're so more strategically better at this. They hit you with the stuff that you're not even thinking about. You know, you know about the fear, you know the anxiety, you know that, but they hit you with all the positive stuff, and you're like, really? Yeah. Do I really need? Do I really need a day off? You know, am I really working? Am I really working too hard? Maybe your definition of working hard and my definition of working hard is totally is totally different. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of something I heard you say about feedback that I found fascinating. So I work in leadership development and there's a lot of refrains about feedback that have always confused me. So a big one is like, you know, always be seeking out feedback, welcome feedback, look for feedback, seek feedback. The problem I always had was what if I don't think that person uh, should be giving me feedback. And just because they're in a position of power or whatever, does that still mean I need to take it? And I, I heard you mention, uh, I heard, I heard you mention that we should be selective about the small group we're willing to, uh, to take feedback from, and they should have earned that. Tell us about that. Yeah. Listen, you have to, (laughs) yeah, I, I have this thing I say, if you have, you go into two rooms, you go into a room with a conversation with successful people and you go into a room with non-successful people. And again, this isn't about, this isn't about financial. I just want to make sure this is always, everyone always talk of equates success as money. It's not about that. All right. It's about winning in whatever your endeavors are. The conversations of the success, let's say, let's talk about parenting. The conversations of individuals that believe they have successful parenting skills is going to be completely different than the conversation that had in a room that with parents that, that that feel like they're not doing the best job. The ones that are doing the best that aren't doing the best job are going to be using a lot of the victim victim mentalities. All right, and that room is going to be so much bigger. And they're constantly giving advice to each other. And the advice they're giving them is not advice that they should be taking. It's more of the comfort advice because they want to add more people to that room. This other room, there's less people in there. They've earned the right to be over here. And they're having a totally different conversation, a totally different conversation. The difference in the in the room where people aren't winning is they don't know the difference between feedback and criticism. They don't know the difference. Mm. All right. The people that are winning and successful understand that feedback and criticism, it's the same thing. It's just how you hear it. Mm. It's exact. It's exactly the same thing. And if you look at the most successful athletes out there that after they got done playing or even while they were playing, they had the smallest circles. They had the smallest circles. They had a few people that they could really trust, they could really count on, and those are the people they listened to. They were the most coachable individuals. They were by far the most coachable individuals, but they only listened and took feedback and criticism from select individuals. And they would question it if it wasn't right. Right. And they would trust they, that. I've, I've heard you say that about uh, Kobe and Michael and some others about this coachability. But what I find interesting is you're not saying coachability means be open to everyone. That would just no. overflow their understanding of whatever they're trying to do. And that's exactly what happens now. You know, you talk about individuals that are like, it, they will literally find, they'll go through every single podcast 
every single social media person until they find the exact message that they want to hear mm. instead of the one that they need to hear. Mm -hmm. There's a big, big difference. There's a big difference or two because, listen, what is the brain designed? Uh, the brain is designed for the brain is designed for two things. All right. It's to create comfort and survival. That's it. That's all. That's all. It's, you know, you can go through all yeah. these other things and, you know, listen, I'm sure you've talked to different neuroscientists oh, yeah. and get into all to all to the <laughs> yeah. technical stuff. But in a nut, in a nutshell, that that's what that's what the brain is designed to do. Well, winning is anything and winning and success is not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. And, and, and then what do you have to do to get winning? You, you can't protect you. You got something has you got to put yourself out there. If you put yourself out there, you're going to be unprotected. So everything the mind is designed to do, you have to do the complete. You have to do the complete. You have to do the complete opposite. And what we prefer to be in gatherings of large individuals, that's more comforting to us. Yeah. You know, that's because we all want to stand out till it's time to till it's time to stand out or somebody takes notice. Now, all of a sudden, you don't want to you don't want to stand out. I'll have individuals that come up to me and say, listen, I want to be I want to be a singer. All right. And I will literally be in a restaurant and I'll grab that individual and I'll take them to a table. And I said, sing, sing to these people right now, right now. Wow. That's it. All right. Yeah. And 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 what do you like gain from that? What do you read from that when they do that? Or if they don't. Well, first I want to see if they're prepared. Yeah. All right. Well, so if you want to be a singer, you if you want to be an entertainer, you got to be you got to be willing to entertain at any moment. Yeah. All right. Whether you're terrible, whether you're excellent, or whatever. Every comedian that's always you talk about the biggest comedians out there. They've all said the same thing. Man, I was horrible in my first show. I was at, I was horrible in my first show, my second show, my third my third show. That's building the resiliency. Yeah. That's that's building that's building that stuff over and over again. Then you get to find out who really gives you feedback and criticism, because the ones that tell you when you didn't perform well, then they tell you, oh, it's going to be okay. That's what you're settling for mm. is okay, and you're only settling for fine. Okay is not a solution. It's not an answer. Fine is not a solution. It's not a, how's it going to be okay. All right. And before somebody else tells you that, you have to figure that out yourself. You should be already knowing, hey, yeah, I sucked at this. Mm -hmm. I really did. I wasn't prepared. My material wasn't bad. My delivery was this, all this other stuff. But be ready when somebody creates that opportunity. Hell, I don't know who I had these, who you, who I had you singing to. It could be, it could have been somebody who works for, uh, for, uh, you know, a record studio or something like that. Yeah. So you, you got, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Yeah, and you know, as you talked about uh, the difficulty behind success and that it's not easy and it's the opposite of our brain. One of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you was sacrifice. Something I struggle with because. I have a lot of interests and I have value. I have multiple values. So for example, I mentioned I have little kids, right? They're a value of mine. And I know you do too. There's a story in here where you talk about that. I think that's one of the hardest. Prior to my kids, I joke with my wife. She was like, you worked all the time, but it wasn't really work. It was just my life. And it didn't really bother me. Now it's a noticeable sacrifice when I'm not with them, even if I'm doing something that will eventually benefit them. So many people in today's world deal with this, and it's a real issue. How do we counteract the want to win in a certain area with the understanding that it's a sacrifice and it's time we'll never get back? They they go together. They they go they go they just they go together. And and 
the people that support you, that stand next to you, and remember I said next to you, not behind mm-hmm. you. They stand next. They stand next to you. Uh, understand that something has to give. Listen, time for everything equals time for nothing. All right. So you have somebody that really wants to excel at excel at something. Something is going to something is going to have to give. There's so many people that love to talk about balance out there, balance, 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 and that's basically what the, what what this is. Let me tell you something. And I'll make it extremely simple for everybody out there. There is no balance. You don't find balance. You create balance. And it's different for each individual out there. What you may find is balance for you may not be balance for somebody for somebody else. It's personal to everything. Every successful individual I know, there are some sacrifices and some stuff that you don't want to do, but you have to make you have to make those you have to make those choices. Now, when you make those choices, are the results going to be beneficial to everyone? So the thing that if you sacrifice the time with your children, you know, early on, and I'm not saying ignore them. I'm just talking about sacrificing sure. some time. Is the reward going to be beneficial? Is it just beneficial to you or is it beneficial to everybody else? Is what you're doing now going to be allow you to create more time, create more experiences, create more, you know, whatever it may be, whatever you're trying to create out of that balance. And you have to create those things. Otherwise, it's a loss for it's a loss for everyone. And how do you create those things? It's not about adding more. When we talk about balance, everybody wants to add more, add more, add more. Because I would say you don't. Well, as I say, you know, you need to spend more time with, uh, you know, with your significant other. You need to spend time more here. You need to spend more time here. You know, so everything is word is like you need to spend more, more, more. Mm. So now you try to add all these things when it should be the way you the way you create more balance is by deleting the unessentials. All right. So you have to, you got to delete some things. You got to delete some things. And I always said, listen, having the ability to be in the moment all the time in whatever you're doing. So if you're, if you're at work uh, and you're, you're doing your career, all right, be in that moment, manage, fo- manage focus, not time. When you're with your kids, manage focus, not time. Be with your kids, be with your significant be with your significant others. The most successful individuals have the ability to shift those things. They have the ability to be with somebody, with their family, with whatever they're supposed to be with. And when that's over with, they, there's no lag time to go like, all right, now I need to, now my focus is back at work or now my focus is back over back over here. Where you lose the time is the gap in between. Uh, you know what that makes me wonder? We, you know, we most of us watch the MJ documentary, uh, we've seen the Tiger documentary. We've seen some of the best. And it's very clear, hard work, dedication, focus. Obviously, it's a prerequisite. But you got to see it. I mean, they're not robots. They had to shut it off. How does somebody, let's take Michael, right? Uh, just because I, I know his like drive to win was uh, just unbelievable. How did, oh, let me ask it this way. When he was not shooting, you know, watching film, whatever. And there ha- that had to exist. Was he beating himself up about not doing it? Or was he no. able to detach and just, re- no, and just he was, recuperate? He, he was able, and that's so significant. That was one of the biggest differences between Kobe and MJ. A- MJ was able, he was much, it was easier for him to detach. You know, I talk about, Michael had, 
you know, he had golf. Golf was his yeah. golf was his golf was his thing. He's just like, hey, you know, that 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 was where he created clarity in his mind. All right. So you know, he had the golf. He liked he liked, you know, I don't call them watches, I don't call them timepieces. I wear a watch, he wears a timepiece. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I drive cars. He drove automobiles. There's a huge, like there's a huge difference. Like yeah. You know, we live in a house. He lives in an estate. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing with Kobe didn't have those interests. He didn't play golf. He didn't, he, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't a collector of things. All right. He, he wasn't into automobiles. Wow. Later on in his career, he got into more into fashion. He saw he started to dress a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So Kobe had a very hard time with a with a detaching of, of things. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's where he came up with the whole, you know, he was truly, truly obsessed. Now they both. And that's an important lesson because you can get to that. You can get to that race and that unforgiving race to winning. Not just one way. There's numerous ways to do it. Understand what the damage is going to be along the way. There is going to be some damage. That's really important, actually, because we're taking two people that arguably are the greatest at a sport, right? And we're saying there's two ways to get there or there's multiple ways. And I know you talk about in the book, that's why you call it the unforgiving race to greatness. It is going to be hard. It is going to be unforgiving. There are some things that are common, sacrifice, but... We, I think too often we look at the greats and we assume that's the way to do it. And, but what I like what you're saying is, you know, MJ was able to find another outlet. Kobe was not. So what works for you? Yes. That's kind of the takeaway. You know, it, it's, you know, in the book I said, well, you've been chosen, you know, in the first chapter I said, I said, I said, you've been, you've been chosen. All right. That, that's what's. You have to figure out your own way. That's one of the things, even the first book I wrote, Relentless, and this one, everybody's like, well, you don't tell us what to do. Exactly. I'm not, <laughs> your whole life, people have been telling you what to, what to do. All right, winning is not going to tell you what to do. It's going to tell you to figure it out. You mm -hmm. have to figure it out. And you may have to take pieces from this, take pieces from here, take pieces from here. And then when you put all those pieces together, it's going to look like a shape. You're like, what the hell is this thing? But winning's going to recognize it. You know what? That's the person I'm going to, that's the person I'm going to deal with because they're not worried that all the shapes and the pieces fit together. There are some pieces that are going to be missing and that's so important. And now a quick break for one of this week's sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Felix Gray, the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray realized our eyes weren't meant to look at screens all day and designed glasses to make daily screen time more comfortable and the workday more productive. Now more than ever, Americans are spending more time on computers, phones, tablets, gaming devices, and so many other sources of blue light. Felix Gray glasses are not like other blue light lenses. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more blue light that can make screen time tough on eyes and disruptive to sleep. Felix Gray offer classic frame styles made from acetate and hand-finished for a durable, lightweight, and really comfortable pair of glasses. Non-prescription and prescription available. Check them out now, felixgrayglasses.com smart. If you can feel your screen time, or if you're not sure if blue light glasses are right for you, Start with the best in blue light. Try Felix Gray. With their 30-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose but eye strain. 
Listen, you've been there, I've been there, staring at either my laptop for too long or my cell phone when you start getting sore, tired, or itchy, watery eyes, or maybe you start getting a headache. If you've experienced any of that, you need to check out Felix Gray. Get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except maybe eye strain. Go to felixgrayglasses.com smart for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash smart. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. Felixgrayglasses.com slash smart. And now back to the episode. It's interesting to hear that from somebody who worked with people that I feel like didn't have any pieces missing. You know, you look at like an MJ, you look at a Kobe, you're like, no, no pieces missing. Additional pieces ready for them, you know? Yeah. No, yes, listen, I, every single great competitor, every great winner, sports, business, across the board, life, whatever it is, they're all flawed. Yeah. But they don't hide their flaws. They don't hide their flaws. They use them. They use them. They're like, okay, this is a part of me. This is who this is who I am. And they're like, every time they show up, they bring all of themselves. So they bring their flaws. They bring their good. They bring their bad. They bring their up. They bring their down. They bring the whole person. And we are so afraid to bring the whole person. And winning is not going to accept only a part of you. You don't. When you win, you don't get a half a trophy. <laughs> you get the you get the whole you get the whole trophy you get the you know you win a you win at the Olympics you get the whole if there's if you're a team everybody on that team gets the medal they don't mm-hmm. divide it up into twelve diff, they don't divide it up into twelve different pieces yet what we want to do is we want to divide ourselves up into all these different pieces of the pieces we want to sh- we want to show people in the public that we we want to show our friends that we'll show ourselves and then we have the separate pieces over here that we don't want to show anybody and those pieces are the ones that have been missing that are keeping you from winning. Let me ask you, th- I find this to be hard to do in today's day and age, which is. Um, have that singular focus. So what do you say to the, and I know you do a lot of talks, you talk to a lot of people in the business world and this and that, who they have their job and um, let's say they don't love it, right? Because I think it's hard for people to to find their their basketball, right? Uh, it, it pays the bills, they're working towards something. Then they've got the family, right? Then they hopefully have some creative outlet. Do you recommend, look, find the thing that you want to dedicate the amount of focus it takes to win, or how do we, you know, the person sitting there who's got three things going on, how do we help them get to the win? Well, again, it's putting the thing, put things in perspective of the order that you want, you want that you, that are the most important during that time. Listen, as every single workout that I put my guys through, they didn't enjoy a single second. (laughs) Not, not one. Yeah. Not, not, not a, not a single. So no one enjoys me coming, knocking, knocking on their door at 4:45 in the morning, after they played 40 minutes and said, "Time to go." Time, time to go. So you're not going to love 100% of anything you do. You're just yeah. not. All right. But do you crave that end result so much that the work becomes irrelevant? And you might not be. You might not be. You might not be in your current, your best situation right now. You may not be doing the job that you want to be. You want to be doing, 
but is it still leading to wins for yourself, wins for your family, and getting you closer to what you want to do it, or are you just doing for are you just doing it for comfort? You know, we we do stuff we, we do stuff with our families because we want to or we have to. There's a big there's a big there's a big big different big difference uh, on that. All right, winning wants you to do stuff because you want to. You want to win. All right, and you actually put those wants in, in, into action. And we do a lot of stuff because we we have to. I'll give you a great, a great example. Everybody on Valentine's Days will go out and buy their significant other flowers because that's what we have to do. Yep. That's what we that's what we have to do. Let me tell you. For all people listening here with their significant others, bring your bring them flowers on just an ordinary day. Because that's something that that you that you wanted to do, and watch the reaction of that person. You're going to get two reactions: either they're going to be so grateful and so happy, or they're going to look at you and say, "What did you do?" They're going to be confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, what, what what did you do? So it's the same thing over here. Listen, you got to put the, you got to put those things in the order that you want want to do, and that order doesn't have to stay that way every every single day. It could it could const, it can constantly shift. Distractions are out there. We're so distracted now. We got we got the biggest distractions right mm, here available to us. All right, I listen. I have the same thing. I I enjoy a you know a puppy rescue video, a cat a cat thing, just <laughs> like just as much as the next person. But I can once I watch that for a little bit, I can go back to doing. I can go back to doing what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. Writing that writing this book was not an easy was not easy going right. out there and putting the word out there to individuals was not easy. You know, we wrote an unbook, we wrote a very successful book, first one, Relentless, and the yep. reason it took us eight years, you know, with myself and my co-author Sherry Wank, is that we didn't want to write this book and everybody say it's just like Relentless. Mm. You know, and we worked in that that process for the eight eight years, and knowing that, listen, <laughs> winning was it was a test. It was a test with no correct answers. We didn't we didn't have any correct. Nobody said, well, if you do this, this, and this, that yeah, this book is not going to be sound just like relentless. You know, we took the test. We took the test in it, and we were like, all right, we'll see. Well, now we're getting now we're getting answers from other individuals. Right. Yeah. Exactly. One thing, as we're kind of dancing around it, when we talk about there's not really such thing as balance, we have to put things into priority. We have to focus where we want to win. I think in today's world, it's more than ever because of all the distractions and the opportunities. Um, my brother is a musician and he's been a signed artist. He does all these things. And I was talking to him about where are you going to place your focus to keep succeeding and prioritization. You and and anyone with kids listening right now, you know, put it on mute because there's going to be some choice words. But you have a phrase and, and you talk about in the book that I think is important because I'm not great at it. And it's the I don't give a fuck muscle. Tell us about that and the importance of it and how we can all use it, even if it's not in our general personality. Well, you know, well, first of all, you got to work that muscle. It's just like anything else. For most individuals, it is so atrophied and so small they don't even know how to do it. So you got to learn how to start flex. You got to learn how to start flexing that muscle. And how do you start learning and flexing that muscle? Is you have to you have to master the art of no. 
you got to master the art of no. That's it. Yeah, people, uh, and no does not require an explanation. All right, no is no. When If it requires an explanation, you're not really sure of that no. Mm. All right, so that's the way you first start flexing, flexing, that, flexing that muscle. And the most of the people that you say no to, you should have been saying no to a long time ago. And it's funny, once you start saying no to them, now all of a sudden you become selfish, but they don't remember all the times where you said yes to them where they were being selfish about, they were being selfish about those things. Yes. Um, you know? Yes. Yeah. And then what happens when I tell everybody, it, when you have the reason you got to flex that muscle, imagine if you were, if you, if you were the navigation system, if you, if you don't flex that muscle, imagine if you were listening to Google maps, Waze, MapQuest, all at the same time, everyone's telling you what to do every, and you're going to end up in all these different directions where when you flex that muscle, you say, this is the direction I'm going to, this is the direction I want to go to. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen to this. This is what I have to listen to. And a lot of that person that you have to listen to is your, is yourself, is yourself. People aren't, this is not easy. And if you're looking for friends and you're looking to be liked, this is not the way to do it. But if you're looking to be successful and you're looking to win and you're looking to have more allies in your corner and less friends and actually have the friends that matter, the more you flex that, the more you flex that muscle, the more like-minded individuals you will attract. The less people will judge you, the less people will be uh, will go against you, the less more people will understand you. Tim, you know what I love about that? And I'm going to use this metaphor for a long time. When you mentioned the maps, because you can, I mean, I do this on a daily basis. You can, I just did it the other day. You can type the same address, the same destination, the same goal, we'll call it in this, uh, into three different mapping systems, right? You could do Apple Maps, Google Maps. You could do it in uh, ways. And it'll take you different ways, but it'll get you there. But the process will be different. So ways you might, you know, see where the cops are. I was on Google Maps the other day. It took me on a toll road that cost like $10. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I like that analogy just because I speak a lot for myself on this show. I don't always trust the path that I've chartered. That's why I started this show, right? 10 years ago when we started this, the idea was smart people can tell me what to do. And through the, the journey, I've learned Smart people can inform my thinking, but never tell me what to do. Exactly. It's a big difference. Huge difference. Huge, yeah. huge difference. You I'm know. wondering. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm wondering, you know, going back to the athletes who are coached their whole lives. Like I always think about the person coaching MJ or Kobe. Does Kobe come off the court and say, what do you think? Or does he go, I'm one of the best in the world. Why are you talking to me? How do they balance that coachability feedback with, no, I am the expert here. No, you know what? Like I said earlier, they are the most coachable individuals. They they are gonna they are gonna clash with those individuals, and you have to mm. stand up and say, "Hey, this is the way things are, things are gonna things are gonna be done." But you also have to give them their in, individuality. You know, I, early on in Michael's career, everybody knows about the 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 shot against uh, Craig Elo. So. Doug Collins was the coach. Doug Collins was the coach at that at that time, and, and MJ absolutely loved loved Doug. So Doug drew up this elaborate play. This elaborate play said, "Hey, you need to go here. This is what you need to do. You know, and then Michael, we want you cutting here. This is what's going to happen. All, all, all this all, all this other stuff." And again, kids, I am going to use exactly what 
what, what, what he said. So there's going to be, it? there's going to be a word in there. So this is coming with a, coming with a warning. <laughs> so Michael gets out of the huddle. All right. And you know, this play is drawn up and he goes to the team. He goes, Hey man, give me the ball and get the fuck out the way. I, mean, I love that. I love it. That that now during the whole game before that, coachable. You run here. It is. This is what we're gonna do. No no problems. There. Here it is. But during that moment, but you earn the right to be that person. Most people don't have the right to be. And the most and most people that are are, are coaching you at something that you're better at haven't earned the right to even talk to you at that different level. But their ideas and thoughts are always better. You know why? Because they love to make suggestions because suggestions gives them an out. You have to make decisions. There's a huge thing. Mm. Michael made a decision during that time to say, give me the ball and get the F out of the way. If I'm going to win this game, it's on me. If I'm going to lose this game, it's on me. I'll be damned if I'm going to get somebody else, put this That's game in somebody, uh, somebody else's opportunity uh, in their hands. The thing about that is by saying it, you know, and you can clearly see where I'm trying to improve, but by saying that, you're putting even more pressure on you. I've always been amazed at those people. And pressure is a privilege. That means somebody believes in you. Do you yeah. believe in yourself? They can't believe more in them, uh, in you than you believe in yourself. And what's the difference between pressure and stress? Stress is just pressure you decide not to deal with. So if you hmm. deal with pressure situations on a regular basis, it never, tur it never turns into stress. How do you, listen, how do you, when you get, when you get a cut, when you get a cut or your, your, your one of your kids get, how do you stop the bleeding? You put pressure on it, mm -hmm. all right? You know, uh, um, I'm assuming you're married. Yep. All right. Uh, your wife, I'm assuming she wears a ring. Yes, she does. Okay. Uh, it has a diamond. That diamond was made through pressure. All right. That's true. So it's, we have all these beautiful things that are made through pressure, but yet what, what do we do? We run from it. We shouldn't run. Uh, instead of running from it, we should be running towards it. Pressure defines who we are and who we're not. But most importantly, it defines who we can become. And winning wants you to know who winning's going to make you become that person. You know, there's this old adage, and I hate and I hate this one, but uh, it drives me absolutely nuts. People always say, "I'm afraid to become that person." No, be afraid not to become that person. I've always said that uh, what, what drives me is exactly what you're talking about, which is I'm far more worried that I'll get to the end of the one life that I have or, or even later on and realize that I didn't take that chance. If You know, I've pretty much lived my life saying I just don't want to regret things. And that can sound like sounding safe, but in reality, it's not. It's I'm more, you know, I'll regret more not doing it. I mean, these are very common refrains that a lot of people have heard, but it's served me well so far because when you sit back and say, I can, I can just be safe about this. I can take the easy path. Um, you're, you know, you're going to regret that. The price of regret is so much greater than not for, than the price of not trying or doing. It's so yeah. much greater. Yeah. So much. So as we wrap this up, you were talking about your previous book, but then you wrote Winning. And I know Winning is a little bit more about the the doing, the, yes. the, the how to win. What are the things, I'm not asking you to boil it down into one, but what are the things you like people to take away from it? What are the things, you know, you hope people's behavior changes by reading this, by understanding this, by learning these things? Well, you know what, this, everybody... 
we've all, everybody in life at some time is you've fallen, you've lost, you failed. All right. You can't win without those. You can't win without those things. All right. That's no reason for you not to stay in this chase. It's for you not to stay in this race. You know, understand that winning is it's not a marathon. It's a sprint with no finish line. It, there is no finish line. And we don't really have the luxury of taking our time. A lot of us want to take our time, take our time, take our time. And we always talk about, you know, it's the, <laughs> and this is going to, this one, this one, you get a lot of feedback from your listeners. All right. Mm. And this is what I, again, I totally disagree again. He said, you know, you know, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. Well, winning, <laughs> winning wants you to take the journey because it knows the destination. Why take the journey if you don't know the destination? Whatever your destination is, define it, know what it is. And this book will show you what you're going to see, what you're going to feel, what you're going to touch, what you're going to know in that journey to whatever your destination is. Because once you get to that destination, as Kobe Bryant described winning, he said, winning is everything. Winning is everything. I love it. Tim, it's a great way to go out. It's not just, yes, it's motivating, but it's grounded in, like I said, rubbing shoulders with the best of the best. And not only the stories and the anecdotes, but the things you've learned. The book is Winning the Unforgiving Race to Greatness. Um, and like you said, it's, you know, it's following on from Relentless, another bestseller. Fantastic book. Tim, where else, you know, look, don't go hiding from us. You've got such great info to share. Um, where else are you? Where can our listeners go? Aside from, of course, we'll link to the book. Yeah, you know, listen, my website is timgrover.com and my Instagram handle is at timgrover. I'm like the easiest person to find. I know, and it's a pretty easy name. Thank goodness. Yeah, it's Sometimes a- <laughs> it's a struggle. Well, Tim, I really appreciate it. Congratulations, man. You've had an awesome life. And thanks for sharing this information. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was Tim Grover, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. His book, Winning, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness, is available wherever books are sold. And I have to say, I definitely recommend picking this one up. It is a fantastic read. All right, let's move into the quick housekeeping items. If you ever want to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at Smart People Pod. And if you happen to be in the mood to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. And if you become a patron over there, you can also join the Discord. So you can come hang out, talk with some listeners, with myself, and we're hoping to turn it into an all-around good time. And of course, if you want to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website and sign up for the newsletter. All right, that's it for us this week. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you tell a friend about the show. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up. So we will see you next episode.